does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Pacers in action tonight down in South Beach, you know, taking on the Miami Heat. Heat four games above 500. Pacers five games under. And we bring in Chris Denary, who is, uh, I'm guessing, poolside. Chris, is that right? Would that be fair to guess or not? No, that would not be fair. I'm sitting here in my uh, hotel room. Uh, just got back from shoot around. It is very nice here. Uh, sunny, a little cloudy, but uh, temperatures in the mid 70s. So, oh boy! Uh, yeah. So you know, when I left Indianapolis yesterday, when I drove out of my house uh, in, in Carmel, I mean, it was it was nice out. I mean, I didn't have to wear a jacket, or you know, for February to go to the airport and not have a jacket on, I, it felt great. So yeah. I don't know what it is today. My wife said it was sunny, so yeah, it's um, pleasant I'll, for a winter day. I'll take it. Yeah. yeah. Winter. I'll take yeah. it for winter in Indianapolis. Hey, it's been a long time since the Pacers won on the road. Uh, and I th- wasn't the last road win at Miami. Yes. Yes. It was uh, two days before Christmas right here. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton scored a career high 43, had a career high 10 threes and hit a three from, uh, another County, not Dade, uh, <laughs> in that one to, to win at one eleven one oh eight. So yes. Uh, the last road win is here in Miami. Anything from shoot-around? You said you just got back from shoot-around. Anything from that that stood out that uh, we should be keeping our eye on or uh, listening for tonight? No, I mean, this group is in good spirits. I mean, you know, it's it's been a tough run. Uh, you know, they were 23-18 and 18 at the halfway mark of the season. They've lost 12-14. of 14. Um, You know, tough homestand, lose that last-second heartbreaker to the Lakers, and then you beat Sacramento, and then... Boy, Cleveland had a great weekend. They came in and uh, you know beat the Pacers pretty handily Sunday, Sunday, and then went to Washington and and had a big win on Monday. So, but but this is a group that I mean they they are so bonded together. They try to stay very very positive even when things are are not going your way. So, I mean I think they know that you know this is a, a real opportunity. I mean Miami has a lot of guys out. I mean Victor Oladipo's out with injury. Kyle Lowry's out. But they still have their big three, Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, and Bam Adebayo, all average better than 20 points per game. So uh, they're they're hanging on, Miami is right now, to the sixth spot uh, in the Eastern Conference, which is the last playoff spot. Indiana right now is 10th. Um, that's the final play-in spot uh, as we start. Uh, it's hard to believe, guys, we start the final third of the season mm-hmm. tonight. Wow. Uh, 55 games in the books and uh, 27 left. So with, with that stretch coming up, what do you think is going to take for the Pacers either to maintain or climb up that those rankings that may be able to get into the playoffs? Yeah, I was just making some notes here. I mean, one of the things that they've really struggled, and it, it really hurt when Halliburton went out for that 10-game stretch, is their offense just hasn't been the same as it was. I mean, if you go back to that stretch where they won uh, 8 of 10, I mean, they were averaging 119 points a game, shooting 48% from the field and nearly 40% from three. Um, if you look at the last 14, their scoring is down, their shooting is down. And so as much as you want to pin things on offense or on defense, uh, it, I, you know, they just haven't been as efficient offensively as you'd like to see. And especially um, in late-game situations, I mean, this has been – 
uh, through the better part of the you know first 50 plus games, they were the best fourth quarter team in the NBA, and those numbers have gone away. Um, you know, you, you think back to uh, at Milwaukee a couple of weeks ago in Memphis uh, against the Lakers when they had a double figure lead. They've really struggled in fourth quarters, and so um, I, I look at as much as we always want to pin. You know, hey, you got to be better defensively. You know, this team's got to find a way to be better offensively. I think that will take a lot of pressure off their defense. Rely too much on Halliburton in those instances, or does he, I've thought a couple of times, maybe he tried to do too much in those instances. Is that a, a delicate balance? Yeah, I think so, because you, you definitely want him aggressive, and, and his teammates believe in him. And so I think if you if you look at the total of the season, um, they have a better than 500 record in, in what we call clutch games. And, and clutch is uh, plus or minus five points, five minutes to go. They've played 34 of those this year. That's tied for third most in the NBA. Uh, they've got 18 wins. That's tied for fifth most in the NBA. So if you look at you know the totality of the season, they've really been pretty good in late-game situations. It's It's been... You know, they had a stretch uh, in mid-December where they lost a couple in a row. And, and then here lately, uh, you know, they've, they've lost a couple. But I think for the most part, uh, if they've been in that situation, they have found ways to win games. And that definitely is an improvement over what we saw last year. I mean, last year, it just seemed game after game after game. They, they were always in it, but they couldn't win them. Uh, I think they've improved in that situation this year if you look at the, the entire season. Pacers and the Miami Heat tonight visiting with Chris Denary. So as you look at the roster and you understand the impact of Halliburton on this roster, what do you feel is missing in, in terms of to get to that consistently competitive level where even if you're missing Halliburton, we still can string together wins? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the one thing, you know, this group is still so young. I mean, you're you're looking at a couple of guys that have been in and out of the rotation of late at the four or the backup five, and that's Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith. And it, those guys are only 22 years old. And so um, I, I think a lot of what we're seeing is just growth opportunities and maturing and, and figuring out, you know, what it's like to be in that situation. Case in point, you know, I was watching LeBron, you know, become the all-time leading scorer last night, and he did it in a loss against a very young Oklahoma City team that was on a bright stage, and their coach sort of challenged him to say, hey, you know, let's see what you guys can do, you know, young guys. And the young guys played pretty well last night. Uh, they won the game. Uh, so I think a lot of it is just continuing to see the growth and putting these guys in these types of situations. Um, you know, the one thing that, you know, Kevin Pritchard has said is as you look to the summer, I mean, they've got a great opportunity with cap space uh, to be in the free agent market. Um, you know, they've got three first round draft picks, no matter what happens, theirs, Boston's and Cleveland's. So they have a lot of opportunity, you know, to, to do some things you know, de- depending on what they want to do. But I think for this group, it's it's just continuing to figure out and, and put yourself in position, uh, you know, to win games. I, I think the, the real good thing that's come out of the last couple of weeks was 
uh, you know, the signing of Miles Turner and, and getting him extended, knowing that he'll be here. And if you look at Miles' numbers, I mean, they are career numbers. I mean, his last eight games, he's had five 20-point games. I think he's had five double-doubles. I, I really am proud of him because I think he's risen to the challenge. And he wants to be here. He wants to be a partner with Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Matherin as they sort of rebuild this franchise and and, and get the Pacers back to where – they feel that they're supposed to be, you know, and um, and and Chris, you you said something there that I think is is often overlooked. He wants to yeah, be here, yeah. and that yeah. is critical. I mean, yes, you yes. you know that he has bought in to this young team. And Miles is only I think twenty six himself, so I mean he's been around a while, but the, he's still a young guy. And the why what, yeah. he, what Chris said, yeah. the why yeah. he wants to be yeah. around because of that young yeah. nucleus of talent. Yeah, uh, that yeah, said. And, 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 it, Miles is a special guy. I mean, if you if you got to know him and know his parents, I mean, they really like what Indianapolis has done for for Miles and and his family. So yeah, you're right. You're right, Vince. Somebody wants to be here. That that's big. Yeah, because there's a lot of guys that have rolled rolled through here and they've had they their eyes on a brighter star. And uh, and I think it takes somebody special to to see an opportunity and and yeah. not chase the shiny object so i i'm glad the pacers did uh, indeed secure miles for a while chris you mentioned the the cap space the three first round draft picks i mean there's a lot of flexibility uh the uh trade deadline looms that's uh, thursday right yeah tomorrow uh yeah, do you anticipate yeah tomorrow three o'clock uh do you anticipate uh, the pacers standing pat or uh, what's the chances? Give us a give us a percentage on the Pacers doing something here before the trade deadline tomorrow. I could potentially see them doing something along the edges, but but I, I really feel like Kevin Pritchard likes the group that he has. Um, you know, he's seen some very positive things. Now, you know, here of late, you know, losing twelve of fourteen is is tough to see, but but I think I think it's the big picture. That they're not they're not going to rush into anything. I mean, you have the summer uh, to potentially look at at, at what you want to do for next year. So it's pretty quiet right now. I mean, we're approaching what twenty four hours in the NBA. Um, you know, we've had a couple of things happen: the Kyrie Irving thing, Rui Hashimura going from Washington to the Lakers. We've had some minor deals here or there, but. I, I would anticipate that across the NBA, I think there will be some, you know, pretty substantial deals tomorrow, but just not sure really, you know, what the Pacers see out there or if they want to do anything right now. Uh, LeBron broke the scoring record, broke Kareem's scoring record. Um, what was uh, the kind of the the water cooler conversation around shoot around today about that last night? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, so many of these guys – I mean, they're in their twenties and. They don't remember I mean, they, Kareem like us old guys. No, <laughs> no. I mean, I mean, think about it. I'm, I'm looking at this roster. LeBron's been in the league twenty years. Oh wow. Benedict Matherin is twenty. Nemhard is twenty-two. Tyrese is twenty-two. Mm. Wow. So when Le, when mm. LeBron wow. started his career, these guys were infants. Mm. And, and <laughs> Diapers, so literally. They, yeah, they grew up. I mean, that's what's crazy about it, guys. They grew up watching him, and now they're playing, playing against, him. against him. So it's yeah, it was a phenomenal thing to watch last night and to see him do it in the third quarter. I mean, I kept thinking, what if it? You know, they had said, look, if it happens in the fourth quarter in the final three minutes of a close game, we're not stopping it. We got to play the game. So it was it was cool that it happened at the end of the third quarter, so they could sort of stop the game 
and have a big celebration, bring Kareem on the floor. Uh, yeah, it was pretty special. Yeah, and uh, and and I I did I thought that too. We made the comment earlier. It was a pretty cool. I, I liked that visual of Kareem handing the ball to LeBron and the the symbolism that that created. And uh, you know, Kareem broke Wilt Chamberlain's record. Uh, back in 1984, Kareem was 37 at the time. Chamberlain had set that mark back in 66. So, I mean, it had been a long time, 38 years, since that record had been broken. And uh, certainly was uh, was was interesting to see. And, and I thought, and we played it earlier and talked about it, Chris. I know you'll appreciate that. I thought Brian Anderson had a great call on the TNT telecast of it. He, he said what he needed to say, but he didn't get in the way of it. Absolutely. B.A. is so good. I mean, I've gotten to know him over the years, longtime Major League Baseball broadcaster and really has come into the NBA uh, the last number of years. But you're right. You, you know, Vince, we've been in situations like that. You in racing, you in basketball, me. And, you, you, you know, while you don't script anything, you still got to know, you got to anticipate, hey, what what is going to happen when this happens? So, yeah, I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, that time. clip will be played forever. Yeah. You know, like Hank Aaron's, you know, yep. uh, 715th uh, or, you know, DiMaggio. You know, what? A, you know, just pick the great all-time great records. And those broadcast calls last forever. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I thought, he, I thought he hit the nail right on the head. It was terrific. Uh, Chris, yeah. uh, appreciate the time, brother. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. Yeah. the same. That's Chris Denary. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's going to be fun, Eagles and the Chiefs. And the biggest Chiefs fan I know is uh, on the line with us now. That's Clint Boyer, former NASCAR driver, currently in the uh, broadcast booth for Fox. And Clint, I know uh, you're going to wear that Chiefs jersey proud, right? <laughs> you know, the biggest thing, the biggest decision is which which jersey. Yeah, which jersey <laughs> will you wear? Are, are you going to be like Jimmy today who has on the, the, the bright yellow Chiefs Kingdom jersey representing yeah, Patrick Mahomes. Our producers uh, got the uh, the yellow Chiefs jersey on today, but you got to go with the red, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially, uh, yeah, absolutely rolling with red. Um, here's the thing. Probably the, the best way I've ever seen anybody take, you know, on that task was Rusty Rush, my old Rush Truck Center's partner uh, and sponsor in my cup car. Um, huge Astros fan, and what he would do is, why would you pick? He just wore the whole lineup jersey. <laughs> As they went down the lineup, he changed his jersey. Yeah. He actually made his video went viral online. But I'm not going to go to that. So this is what old Clint does. Clint has a god-awful, ugly sports jacket that he bought, you know, one of those loud ones with Chiefs Arrowhead all over the Kansas City, right, KC, all over it just vomited all over it but it's, it's awesome <laughs> and i only bring that jacket out when my team gets the super bowl well let me tell you boys this thing's starting to look pretty haggard so um that will definitely be on me i'll probably have my kelsey jersey on or a sunday fun day t-shirt that's kind of my go-to at the super bowl that's that's what i run now uh the game starts pretty late in the evening are you going to be you still going to be upright by then or you kind of have to what does the, the day look like was, was is it a celebration 
all well, day? Well, boys, you bring up a good point. Here, here's the thing about the Super Bowl. By the time you get to the game, kind of like a NASCAR cup race, yeah. you know, by the time you get, if, if say you you went and camped out, tailgated with all your buddies uh, in the infield of a race in a Winnebago, by the time the race starts, you have endured two or three days of mass chaos. Yeah, party. no different. Yeah. Massive parties. You know, one after another, you can't turn any of them down. Any hot act in the history of Earth plays, so you can't you got you can't miss. You know, I I I, I have severe FOMO in any kind of condition like this. So yeah, yeah, I'm going to all of them, and I'm probably going to be not in the best of shape, um, <laughs> but I'm going to be there, and I will be watching. And uh, watching from a suite, I presume, right? Or do you sit no, out no. with? Are you sit out in the fan in the stands with the fans? Damn right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't. You you're, can't legit. you're legit. You're legit, boy. In this series, you got to get out there with the Warriors. You got to get out there in the elements and understand what's going on. You can't can't be distracted with conversations and this things like that. that, that <laughs> yeah, that's sweet yeah. Like yeah. life. Yeah, you need to. You need to. You got to focus, right? You got to focus on the task at hand. Yes. Yeah, Uh-oh. you know, it blows my mind. You go to a Super Bowl, right? Tickets are through the roof. I think I saw like the cheapest tickets, like I don't know, forty six hundred bucks or something for, for maybe you know, some medium to lower level. And uh, you know, and the first thing they do is is go and conversate. You'll see them in the, you know, in the hallways and stuff like that, and talking and and interrupting one another. Like, how do you spend that much money to go to a game? And not be paying attention. Yeah. This is this is a battle, boys. It's a war, and I will be, I will be in in game mode. Yeah, that's what we were having the conversation earlier about uh, you know when you watch the game on TV, and you know so many people have Super Bowl parties and stuff. And I might go there early, but when the game starts, I want to be at home watching the game because yeah. uh, I got to yeah. watch the game, and I can't be doing that if I'm you know if there's socializing going on. And- Agreed. I'm, I'm a homebody, and I I'm locked in, like you know limited limited conversation, enjoying the game. Um, but yeah. yes, you, you you like to focus, especially with a game that is at the magnitude of the Super Bowl. It, it is the pinnacle of the National Football League, so we have to pay close attention and enjoy. Here's the only thing that sucks about the Super Bowl, too. I mean, I'll, yeah, I'll, let's start over. You know, when when you're fortunate enough to have a team that tends to go quite often, such as me, and the Chiefs, <laughs> you're spoiled. You you go to the Super Bowl, and it's not like Arrowhead where it's 95%, you know, Chiefs fans. You don't have to worry about some – schmuck sitting next to you and and bothering you with, oh, with yes. some sort of opponent team at Super Bowl. I mean, there's a blend. Most of them are going to be Chiefs fans, obviously, the ones with any intelligence, but <laughs> there's a chance that you know some eagle might. You know, you know, you're with the feisty bunch. There. Oh, the eagle fans there, are loud and a proud feisty too. Now. Bunch, those Philadelphia Eagle fans. So just be safe, right? Let let's <laughs> let's use our conflict resolution. You got a big you got a big guy going with you, Clint, to uh, keep. You know, are you Eric Stone Street? You're not taking him or with you for security, are you? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. So he will definitely be there. Speaking of warriors, he's there, battle-tested. 
Um, he'll be there. All the guys, man, that's what's cool about, you know, the Kansas City area. I mean, I didn't grow up in Kansas City, but right outside of it and tons of friends there. And it's just, I will say this, I've been to other ballparks. I've been to, you know, obviously live in North Carolina. I've been to the Panthers and, and the number one takeaway from all of it that I have to tell people, I'm like, you really don't even understand what, what the atmosphere is all about. It's no different than a NASCAR race. You know, it can't just be a race. It has to have the atmosphere, and the fan base creates that atmosphere. The tailgating scenario that, that only Arrowhead produces because of that massive parking lot that it shares with Kaufman, it, it's, it's insane. I mean, I've seen people not even make it to the games before. <laughs> it, it, it is all hands on deck, wide open chaos. The only one in my that would even remotely come close to a Chiefs fan base would be, you know, the maniacs up in Buffalo. They know how to do it. They, yeah. they, they, I, I, I'm a little, I, I at least respect that one. But I think these Philly team, you know, these, these Philly guys, I, I, the biggest thing is for me, I want them to keep chirping, keep chirping because for some reason that fuels a fire with our boys. And the last two teams that come in to chirp and went home with their tail between the legs. Oh, and you know, and you chirp pretty well yourself. I mean, we're you know, <laughs> that's part of the fun, though, isn't it? Hundred percent. It 100%. is. So no, who's going with me? To go back to your question is my wife, and she'll either be telling me to oh stop, stop, you know, the whole game, or be be egging me on you know them why sorry yeah, yeah i'd you like know, to have a i'd like to have a 10 spot they're, they're telling you you're embarrassing them the <laughs> next thing you know somebody chirps one over some comment over your way and they're like oh yeah now they're on your side yeah i'd like to have a 10 spot for every time she says clint stop it <laughs> <laughs> we're visiting with clint boyer a uh, former nascar driver and uh, current nascar broadcaster for fox and uh, super uber Cadence a City Chiefs fan, and uh, I know looking forward to uh, going to the game in uh, in Arizona this weekend. I saw that um, you know the Super Bowl, and, and this fits right in with you, brings the Super Jet Setters as well. More than four thousand additional takeoffs and landings yeah. around the the airports big, there in uh, Phoenix. Over a thousand private planes expected. Who all are you taking on your G five with you? I uh, I sold my plane, believe it or not. So man, I'm I'm slumming. I'm I'm with everybody else. I'm taking uh, the good coach, old fashioned American Airlines. Oh, you uh, are not. Yes, yes, uh, I'm rolling. I kind of like that anyway on a deal like this because it's part like of the experience. Said, well, I flew to Kansas last time, and we had all these. You know, there were Jacksonville fans for, and then they were. There were Cincinnati fans, and oh my gosh, they run their mouth the whole time, the whole flight there. You know how quiet that plane was other than old Clint on the way home? That was fun. Now, if something would have happened and we lost, there's no chance. I'd have chartered a plane. Oh, and uh, if uh, presuming, we'll, we'll presume, uh, you know, for your sake that the Chiefs win, do you uh, get the invite to the Chiefs postgame celebration party? Well, the last time we won in Miami, and that's I posted it on Twitter the other day, and I didn't realize what I had done. It was me in, in Stone Street. Stoney was at the post party, and we were we were getting 
Yeah, the old hourglass was getting pretty thin on the top, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and, and for I those that, and for those that don't know, Eric, six thirty in the morning, I was like, six thirty. And for those that don't, Eric Stone Street plays uh, Cam on Modern Family. You know, you'd know him. Mean, huge, huge Chiefs fan, and and uh, it looks like the two of you might be able to get in a little trouble. Oh yeah, Stoney's a good guy. We have a lot of fun. Just massive talent and extremely funny. Um, Kansas guy, you know, went to K-State and, and drove through my part of the country a lot and just, you know, share that in common, the love of our, our state, and love of our teams. And and um, both of us are capable of, believe it or not, having a good time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, is he funny? I always wonder about this. Like, people that are funny on TV, I mean, he's obviously a very successful actor, Modern Family, incredible show. He's got a great, plays a great character on there. But are f- people that are funny on TV for their real job yeah. in real life, do they, is he s- still funny? He's similar. Well, here's the thing. I've been on the road a long time. You know that yeah. a lot of people, and, and it, that's a valid question. Every once in a great moon, you'll come across somebody that you think, man, they were just so funny, but it was it all scripted? Was it all wrote? Every now and then you'll see that. But if somebody's making a living in comedy and, and moreover making a living in live comedy on television, they're pretty damn funny. <laughs> My man, Eric, he will have you in shambles. He's quick. He's witty. And I mean, that's just they're they're the best. You know, that's why they're on TV. Hey, speaking of funny, uh, watching The Clash the other night, you and uh, Tony Stewart, Mike Joy in the booth and Gwen Stefani is in there with you and. Uh, was Stewart did did was he dumbfounded or what? I've never heard Tony a loss seen Tony a loss for words. Well, buddy, we so Blake and Gwen they come. You know, Blake's a huge race fan, supported me over the years, and Blake Shelton and uh, Gwen Stefani came last year. Knew she was coming again this year. She liked it. Um, dug the race a year ago and wanted to come back. So I thought that was really cool. We always have Blake on. He always makes fun of me. I didn't want to have Blake Shelton on anymore. <laughs> I knew what was going to happen. He was going to make fun of me. So Such I an said, easy target, though. You're out. <laughs> I would like to have – and I last I checked, it's like Beauty and the Beast. Nobody wants to see that. They want to see her. They see so I, I said, Gwen, what do you think? We come on. Just come on for a little bit. No way, you're crazy. I don't know anything about racing like that. It'll be the last thing I, you know, talk about. I just want to know, you know, what kind of driver you are. We'll just keep it fun. Well, little did I know, she's just like Blake. Turns out she lives with him, has the same sarcasm. She goes going down the path of telling on old Clint, maybe being overserved at one of their parties and showing out a little bit. Starts telling out on live, live. I'm like Gwen. Whoa, 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 whoa! This is my job here. You got well. This is backfiring on me bad. Right before everybody's very eyes, and uh, so that happened. Gwen's getting a little bit nervous up there, trying to deflect. Obviously, trying to maybe close the conversation and move on with Gwen Stefani. Maybe it wasn't the best idea for Clint. It was the best idea for everybody else. Next thing I know, I look over, and I'm, I'm out of questions, guys. I mean, I've thrown everything at it I know to try to keep it conversational. And my man, Tony Stewart, the big bad wolf that everybody knows, you know, the, the almighty Tony Stewart, 
He can't find one question asked. <laughs> I'm, I'm elbowing him. I'm, you know, trying was, was to. He, was he in awe? I'm him. I'm like, Tony, like, what? Something. And he just kept shaking his head. She walked out the door and he's like, I couldn't say a word. I, I think I was I was like, really? You don't say. It was so funny. Well, it was good stuff. And uh, it was uh, an entertaining show. And I know that it's a big week for you guys this weekend because you're going to be in uh, in Arizona for the Super Bowl and then the following weekend in Daytona for the Daytona 500. So I uh, wish you the best. Thanks for coming on and uh, spending a few minutes with us. We uh, greatly appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you down the road sometime soon. Man, you brought it up. I appreciate the time. Uh, obviously, big weekend for the Super Bowl on Fox, but uh, you know the, our day job. That Daytona 500, it's going to be a big one. There's a lot of big champion names that have, have never won that race, and all eyes are on it. So uh, make sure you tuned in, everybody. It's going to be a good one. Appreciate Thanks. you, Clint. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. That's Clint Boyer. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Along with Marlon Jackson, I'm Vince Welch, and want to bring on Randy Brown. Randy is um, specialist coach for the Baltimore Ravens, uh, works with the kicker Justin Tucker, who happens to be best in the league, maybe best ever. Uh, won the Super Bowl with the Ravens back in 2013. Been uh, been in this business a long time. But what's really cool, I think, about this story—not just Randy's accomplishments, but his son Tyler Brown—is the Eagles' kicking specialist awesome. coach. And so, Randy, great to have you with us, man. What a proud dad moment this is for you. I'm guessing. Well, hello, Vince, Marlon, Go Blue, and uh, really, yeah, it is Vince. It's a well. First off, thanks for having me on. It's a, my first time I've been on an Indianapolis radio station, so just don't ask me anything about IndyCar or stuff. I have no <laughs> idea. All right, we could talk Ravens football, NFL, and uh, and and of course Michigan football, just not IndyCar. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's amazing. It's really you know when you try to put the odds together, what the chances of a father son coaching in a Super Bowl for two different teams 10 years apart uh you know I think you have much of a chance to win Powerball do you are you more nervous for your son coaching in the Super Bowl or when you were coaching in the Super Bowl yeah this is awful awful. (laughs) it's like I don't care you know I, I coached my kid growing up in all the sports my two girls are 15 and 17. I've coached them in all the sports, and we won a heck of a lot of rec basketball games and soccer games. Um, but, you know, go back three weeks. I'm on the sidelines. We lose to Cincinnati in that heart-wrenching game. And I felt awful. But, you know, you don't feel as anxious when you're going into games and you have control of the game, you know, to an extent, right? Yeah. Marlon, you know, as a player, yeah. us coaches sometimes believe we have more control than we really do, and sometimes we really do have a lot of control. So – but now as a dad, you know, after that game, after we lost that game and being on the field uh, 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 pregame of the Giants playoff game and then last week's game, it just I've just turned into be dad now. So now I'm dad and, yeah, it's brutal. Just I wish the game could be over and we <laughs> win. As, as, I, as I was listening to you, I was sitting here thinking is which which hat are you wearing when, when you're having conversations in the mix of, you know, the coach that's been there and the dad that's cheering on his son 
And what is the advice that you're giving to him when you're wearing both of those hats? So, uh, Marlon, uh, you know, you, you've won a Super Bowl, too. So you know what the week is like. Um, my son was fortunate enough to be with me when we won the Super Bowl and the AFC Championship game. My son spent about 100 NFL games with us at the Ravens just because the great John Harbaugh allowed kids to be around. He was our ball boy. So, you know, he got to experience the week from that side, but he didn't get the experience we as a, as a coach. So, honestly, it started last week. We start talking about the Chiefs. Uh, obviously, we played them a lot. So, you know, I have some football background with that. We start talking football. And then when he left Sunday, there was no more football to talk, and it was, okay, how are we going to enjoy every moment? Document, write a diary, do a video diary. You know, have something when it's 10 years from you from now that you can look back and really cherish these moments because, uh, as we know, Marlon, it's never guaranteed that you're ever going back to another Super Bowl. And, you know, we should point out that um, Tyler's kicker, if you will, Jake Elliott, He's had two of the best seasons of his career uh, under Tyler's uh, guidance. So the apple didn't fall far from the tree, right? Effective (laughs) effective coaching. Well, thanks for saying that. You know what, Um, Marlon and Vince, you guys have been around sports a long time, right? Great players make great coaches, all right? (laughs) Justin Tucker makes me look like I'm just the the best kicking coach around. But – what, what I found in my 20 years in National Football League, it's the combination of great players, great coaches, and that players that want to get better, okay? And there are some players which just want to shut us out as coaches, and they play on the contract they're in, and that's, okay, we're good. But then there's many of the others, and probably the majority, Marlon could test it more than me probably. It's, some of these players, if they find a coach – that can help them get that next contract, that can help them exceed on the field, they buy into your information, which exactly. after 15 seasons in Baltimore, we have found. I mean, we've, we've, between Jerry Rossberg, John Harbaugh, Chris Horton, and myself, you know, we've produced uh, top five special teams for the better part of the last 15 seasons because we have our players buy in and we can make our guys better and they make us better. I mean, I learned from Tucker every, every week I'm out there. Don't let him know I said that. <laughs> But, but you, you know what I mean, Marlon. I no, mean, you, really, we built off each other. You, you're hitting the nail right on top of the head because it, it's it's the mindset, right, within the relationship. Whereas a player, I have a growth mindset. I don't see myself as a completed project, and I'm open to learning, which makes me receptive to the teaching of my coach. And that that combination of of still eager to learn, even though I have a high skill set, right? That eagerness to learn. But then just the ability to apply what's being learned um, in real time and to not lose that desire to better myself. And that allows and opens up the door for a coach to be effective. And I think what you said, that is what that's the mindset of the majority of players that play in the National Football League and on the collegiate level is understanding, you know, the relationship and the dynamics between that player and that coach, you know, and and being on that journey and, and having won a Super Bowl and then think about to that journey that you were on and what did you do to prepare your 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 son over the span of your time together growing up to be successful in these sorts of moments? So I put him in every, you know, the kid was, I was coaching Chicago Bears 1998-1999 with Dave Wonstadt and Dick Duran, two of the best men you'll ever meet. Um, and my son was seven and eight. Well, guess where my son was? 
He was at practice with us. He was on the sidelines for games. You know, a picture with him and Troy Aikman, uh, you know, who didn't play a game in 98. Uh, as, as I told you before, he spent 100, 100 games with me at least on the sidelines. I made him um, be a football kid. Why? Because he wanted to. And he wanted to learn. He wanted to be part of it. I don't think either of us, if you would have asked us, 20 years ago, would he be, would we both be coaching in the National Football League? You know, no, I thought I was going to be a head high school football coach. I didn't think I was going to be this. And he was a, he came out of college. He was a PE teacher at Berlin Elementary School here in New Jersey. So it's just where our paths have taken us. And to go back to what you had asked about Jake, I think the success of Jake, it's number one is his confidence. Number one is his confidence. Tyler has helped instill that. But they clean the operation up. They clean the snap. They clean the hold up. And, you know, practice is maybe a little different than it was before. Film study is a little different than it was before. So it's more than just teaching a different swing. It's all those aspects. You know, what's your sleep pattern? What's your health? What's your, what, what, what are you doing in the weight room? What are you doing in the offseason? Are you playing golf? Are you not playing golf? All of these factors go into us having successful kickers. See, and see, I'm just getting excited right now and listening and listening to you because <laughs> it's it's the underestimated aspect of athletics. It's everything that you spoke to is the preparation, right, and the evaluation to understand what is effective and what is not, and then to come up with a plan to produce. and And that is the quality of of great coaching, of great leadership, but in players to have that growth mindset and be open-minded to getting better. And that's why you have organizations like the Baltimore Ravens and now what we're seeing with the Philadelphia Eagles that are extremely successful. And we'll say we'll throw in our, our, our alma mater, the University of Michigan as well. That's why we are all successful is because of that dynamic between our coaches and our players. And, you know, if I can a- add to that, when you coach for John Harbaugh, you coach for Jim Harbaugh. I've got 18 seasons stand on sidelines with John I've obviously known Jim for 25 years, and John, Tyler's been with Jim. You better be detail-oriented, okay? If John comes in and asks you to teach him the technique for the right end on field goal against a 6 by 4 rush and that, that outside end and the corner and the safety are outside of him, how are you blocking him? You better be detail-oriented. Well, we expect the same of our players. If I bring Justin in or Sam Cook at the time or Jordan Stout, they're like, give us the exact detail. Where is that hand? Where's that foot? To me, that's how you continue to become successful, which is the detail oriented in the offseason and the regular season. So, Marlon, if you can still run like a four four, maybe about twenty two miles per hour, it might be able to let you get to cover some kicks next year. Yeah, only 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 when I'm asleep. I, I have I have dreams of and I'm, and I'm still running running that fast, but that's about it. That's about it. We're visiting with uh, Randy Brown. He's the uh, Baltimore Ravens uh, kicky coach for Justin Tucker, fifteen years in the league in the NFL, won the Super Bowl with the Ravens in twenty thirteen. His son Tyler Brown is the Eagles kicking coach and the Eagles kicker Jay Kelly. Would you rather, as dad, are you going to be excited or will you hate it if it comes down to an Eagles field goal to win the Super Bowl? No, I want the game to come down to to Jake because I know he's ready for that moment. Uh, he's played in this game before. He practices well. That's what I want. I mean, I that, you know, people have asked me many times, why is Justin Tucker so good? Because he's the Mario, Mariano Rivera. He's the Michael Jordan. He wants the ball at the end of the game. No one else should get the ball but him. And Jake has that same mindset. So, to me, what would be better? Kick a walk-off field goal like Adam Vinatieri did before. Let's go kick a walk-off 38-yarder right hash, win the game, and 
and we all get a Super Bowl trophy and a great win. That's how I love to see it. Mm. I don't want some 41-7 boring game, unless the Eagles, of course, are winning 41-7 and we win the Super Bowl. But, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that earlier, just hoping it's a good, close game. You know, you don't really have a dog in the fight. You just want it to be a good game and take it right down to the end. Speaking of the Super Bowl, when you guys were there, the Ravens in 2013 in New Orleans, that was the blackout game, right? Yeah, yes, it, was. it was. It was. So, so what happens there when when the stadium loses the electricity? Take us inside. What happened with the team there? So, you know, we come out at half. Jacoby Jones runs a kickoff. We're up big, and and we're just standing there. Next thing you know, a bank of the lights go out, and we don't know what happened. Right? We're expecting it to go on and off real quick, especially with all these you know the light shows they have. We didn't think it was planned. Beyonce had just literally come off. And uh, then they're not coming on. And then you're thinking, are we going to finish this game? Because then we start talking to sidelines. Are, are we really going to finish? Now, remember, Marlon, we have the 31-minute halftime to begin with, right? And we had an older team back then. You know, we had Ray and Ed and Haloti and these guys and Matt Burke who were an older team. So we were like, when are they going to restart this game? And, uh, yeah, it was a little nerve-wracking because we lost all momentum at once once those lights came back on again. and. Thankfully, the game wasn't a little longer than that because I don't know if we would have if it would have ended the way that it did. But it was bizarre, very bizarre and unsettling. So I I, yes. I have to ask. My son is a Baltimore Ravens fan, and he loves Lamar Jackson. Next season, do you think that Lamar Jackson will still be a Baltimore Raven? So this is a great part, right? I coach specialists and I coach special teams. I know that Justin Tucker is under contract. <laughs> and in the offseason next and in training camp, I'd love to see you and your son come to training camp and hopefully meet whoever's playing for us at the time. So, you know, it's uh, I've learned a long time ago in this league, Marlon, you stay right into your, right into your little wheelhouse there and, and mine is coaching specialist. Man, did you hear how Randy? Did you hear how Randy avoided that question? I mean, he's a he's a mayor. He, I say he should be a politician because that was. that was a lesson right there. You were the, what town was it? You were the mayor of Randy. So I was born and raised here in Marlton, New Jersey. Uh, we have fifty thousand people. My and, family lives uh, in Marlton, New Jersey. You're kidding me. No El Marco way. Jackson, Ellen Jackson, Mackenzie Jackson, they live in Marlton, New Jersey. When I played for the Eagles, I spent a ton of time in Marlton, New Jersey. Marco is a McDonald's All-American going to University of Kansas next season. Wow. Well, off the air, send me their address, and I'll say hello. But So I was the mayor from 2007 to 2018, so they must have bragged that uh, they had the best <laughs> mayor in America while you were over here with the Eagles in 2010. Awesome, awesome. Small world. <laughs> That's good it stuff. It really is. It's a small world. It's great. So different now. we got the Chickies and Pete's. we got the Carlos Bakeries of the world. we got a lot of great things here in Marlton. So it was a great time in my life. I loved it. And when you're the mayor of the town that you grew up in, there's not much better except maybe your son winning the Super Bowl. There you go. Well, I'll tell you what. Father winning the Super Bowl, son winning the Super Bowl, that'd be pretty cool. We wish you the best, Randy. And uh, good luck to uh, Tyler and the Eagles. And uh, we'll be thinking about you when Jake Elliott trots out there at the end of the game to kick that game winner. Uh, yeah, and I'll be just as nervous as anybody else will be. And uh, But, hey, let's stay in touch. Marlon, uh, Vince has my contact info. I'd love to uh, talk to you afterwards. Awesome.
Thanks, Randy. Okay, guys. Thanks yeah. for having me on. Yeah. That's uh, Randy Brown, uh, the uh, Ravens kicking coach and uh, the best kicker. I mean, it will rival Vinatieri, yeah. I think. Justin yeah. Tucker is Agreed. the greatest kicker ever. Of course, the Ravens won the Super Bowl in 2013. And then to have your son be on the coaching staff of a team in the Super Bowl, too, and a potential winner. What a what a neat story that is. Uh, well, father-son awesome. relationship and the pride that a dad has.